Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you're at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you, John, and welcome to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. We're glad that you have taken a few moments out of your busy day to listen to today's podcast because I think you're going to really enjoy the guests that we have. And it's good to welcome Danielle Waters here <laughs> to uh, the podcast today. Thank Danielle, you. glad you're here. So glad to be here. And she is, her business is called, get a hold of this, is called Princess Grace Events. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, all right. So I know who you are, but the people listening today, Danielle, or Danny, as your friends call you, mm -hmm. and that's probably what I'll call you today, um, probably need to know a little bit about who you are. So I'm going to let you, since you probably know more about yourself than anybody does, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you share today and tell us about who you are right. and a little bit about what you do here with your All business, right. okay? Well, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I really am. Oh, we're glad to have you. I am Danielle Waters, as you said. I am wife to, I like to call him Mr. Wonderful, but he goes by the gen general populace, call him Ryan Waters, <laughs> my husband. And we have two kids, uh -huh. Grace, who is four, and Stephen, who is two. Mm -hmm. um, we call him our little rogue because he's charming and very, very naughty. <laughs> <laughs> Which side of the family tree does that come from? Are we <laughs> the, the charming comes from dad and the naughty comes from me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a wife and mama to toddlers, and I also own Princess Grace Events, which mm -hmm. is actually a party princess business. So I'm, I like to say that I'm a part-time princess. Okay. Um, so we bring... Um, character entertainers to little girls' birthday parties and to meet and greets and events. And uh, it's a business that I never would have um, even known existed until I started praying when I was expecting grace for the Lord mm -hmm. to open up a, an opportunity for me to work from home. And I actually had a dream that I was dressed up oh, going really? to birthday parties. Yeah, wow. I did. And I woke up laughing because I was about eight months pregnant and had cankles and... <laughs> Just imagining what what scarring it would do to little girls to have Cinderella coming to their birthday party eight months pregnant. Um, but after yeah. after I had the baby, decided that it was something I'd give a, give a try. So, oh, that's neat. Yeah. So I, I got to ask you this question. Does it feel like work or play when you do these? You know, getting dressed up is such a process and wearing the heels and the uncomfortable dresses and everything. I do not like that. That's the work. Uh-huh. But while I'm at the party, it is pure joy and pure fun. Yeah, it's um, neat. And I, and I really love getting my performers ready and sending mm -hmm. them out. That's what I really love doing. So eventually I'll just be the fairy godmother and <laughs> send my little princesses out. <laughs> you know, it, there's something in every little girl, because I have I yes. four daughters, mm -hmm. as you know, and you're, you're close friends with, with my girls. And 
there's something in every little girl that wants to be a princess, isn't there? There is. Yeah, it's very real. There is, and I think that's the reason there's such a huge princess craze right now. Mm -hmm. I think most of the things that are so popular in our culture, um, there's a reason that they Mm -hmm. resonate with us, and I think it's because God, God does put in the heart of especially little girls, but to be um, to be his little princesses and mm-hmm. and the whole Cinderella story mm-hmm. of being invited to this grand romance and realizing that you weren't just made to be a scullery maid. Um, mm-hmm. So I love to be able to use this huge Disney princess craze yeah. um, to talk to little girls about having true beauty that comes from from the inside, and mm-hmm. it's. It's really a joy. Yeah. I, I love knowing that you can glorify God in anything you do, even dressing up like Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's neat. And uh, you've teased me a few times about you were going to dress me up as yes. something, but I'm, I'm not sure that I... <laughs> definitely not going to be the princess. I mean, I, I don't know whether it be the beast or... I, 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 I'm not going to lie. Whatever. I think you'd make an awesome beast. I really do. You've got the voice and the... Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I got the looks for the beast, right? No, yeah. you'd wear a mask. You've, no, oh, yeah, okay. no, that's not in any way disparaging your looks. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, moving right along, let's let's get to uh, what we want to talk about today. I, uh, Danny, I talked to you some time ago, and we talked even some before we got on the podcast mm-hmm. today about a very special time in your life. Yes. And that special time was several years ago when you had the privilege of being the caretaker for a lady by the name of Elizabeth Elliot. Mm-hmm. Now, to some of our listeners, that, that name's going to resonate because mm-hmm. of the stories that surround her husband and his death as a missionary. But th- I know there's a lot of listeners that may not even know who she is. So right. why don't we, first of all, just kind of give a little bio information about who was this incredible lady that you cared for in these last years mm-hmm. or months of her life? Yes. Um, Elizabeth Elliot, like you said, kind of a, a byword or by name in a lot of evangelical Christian homes. Um, she was um, a missionary to Ecuador um, in the 50s. And... Um, actually began her missionary journey as a single young woman, and um, she's written several books about the love story between her and her first husband, Jim. Mm -hmm. Um, And after they were married, he uh, and several other men were trying to reach an unreached people group called Mm -hmm. the Alka Indians, or now they're called the Waodani Indians. Um, And in that process, they were murdered on the the beach of... um, of near where the the mm-hmm. village of, of mm-hmm. where these Indians were. And so through that situation, of course, the whole world heard about these young men, you know, still most of them still in their 20s who were martyred. Um, many young people were called to Christian service themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Elizabeth, um, several years later, was able to make contact with the same tribe of people that had killed her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a, I think, two-year-old daughter at the time, um, Jim's Jim's only child, mm-hmm. and they went in together and lived with the Waodani for about two years, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I think one of the reasons that it her stories become so famous is just that, you know, so many people putting themselves in her shoes and wondering would I have the right, courage right. or the love yeah. to go to these people that had murdered mm-hmm. this person that I was married to and that I loved. Um 
so that's her story. She only lived with the Alcas for two years, um, and she continued her mi- ministry even after she returned to the States, mm-hmm. and it became more of a speaking, writing, public speaking right. ministry. She yeah. wrote many, many books, and mm-hmm. then later she had a radio Radio program. Yeah, I remember. I remember that book through Gates of Splendor. Yes, I think that was mm-hmm. like the big hit when it came out, mm-hmm. and I remember that book. And then later on, as refresh my memory, was it called The Edge of the Spear or something? The yes. movie that came mm-hmm. out and all yeah. that movie was put out from the perspective of Nate Saint, um, which mm-hmm. was the pilot in that expedition that had gone mm-hmm. out to the Indians. Right. Um, yeah, and and his son Steve Saint um, actually is still among the Waodani and ministering with them. That's amazing. It yeah. is. It is. It is an incredible story. And if you've never read that story, I'm sure if you go do some Googling, yes. they can find all kinds of information out mm-hmm. there. Like you said, she was a well-known author. She was much in demand as a speaker, especially mm-hmm. at women's conferences. Mm-hmm. And of course, had her own for many years on Moody Radio. She had her own broadcast and mm-hmm. spoke into the lives of thousands and thousands of women across the yeah. years. Um, but what was she like? You stepped into a time in her life. You were telling me about this the other day. When you stepped into her life, what was going on at that time mm. in her life? Well, I, I think I had the blessing of seeing sort of a behind the scenes of mm-hmm. her life. And it, it was in many ways a sad time. Um, most people know the Elizabeth Elliot who was on the radio with that smooth voice saying, yes. this is your friend, Elizabeth Elliot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she had a rich, she had a she nice did. alto voice. Yes, it was did. so calming. I so remember that. So poised. Yes. And yes. Um, by the time I met her, um, her Alzheimer's had progressed to where she couldn't even really talk. She mm. would babble like a baby. How sad. Yes. And um, every once in a while she'd be able to say little words in and amongst the babbling, um, but they never really made sense or seemed very appropriate. Every once in a while, she'd surprise us, and and we'd realize, I think Miss Elizabeth actually, she knows more than than she can let on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a lot of people, a lot of my friends would ask me what it was like to be with her um, for the year that I lived there, and mm-hmm. would you know envision me like sitting at her feet dictating great. Letters and yeah, that's what I like would have envisioned because you <laughs> yeah. know when I first heard about this I thought that's what mm-hmm. it was you were there you know like yes. sitting at the feet of Jesus as yes. it were you're at the feet of Elizabeth Elliot yeah. and all these mm-hmm. pearls of truth are coming your way yes. but, but that wasn't the case yeah. was it? there were a lot of pearls of truth but they didn't come in the ways that you would expect mm-hmm. um, in fact I I was reminded of a verse um, in Hebrews um, Hebrews eleven four and it and it talks about how the fruit of a righteous life still speaks even after death. That's powerful. Um, And I think for Elizabeth, even though she couldn't put a lucid sentence together, Mm -hmm. her life was Mm -hmm. still speaking. Um, I was able to read through her old Bible and the notes in her old Bible from when she was like 14 years on. Oh, wow. um, Reading some of her old journals and um, kind of seeing behind the scenes of a life that a lot of people tend to idealize. Uh Uh-huh. That's what we do, you yes, know. We, we do. We pick a hero and we mm-hmm. idealize their life. Mm-hmm. And I, I was guilty of the same thing. And I think I was able to see that um, she was a flawed and very human woman mm-hmm. um, who made decisions that she regretted, who lived very 
deeply from her emotions, even though I always thought, I remember as a little girl listening to her radio program because my mom always had it on Mm -hmm. and thinking, oh, she just, she never shows any emotion. She always seems so stoic. (laughs) I I would agree with you. When I would listen to her too, it's like, if anybody has their life together, <laughs> yes. this woman, yeah. you know, if there was going to be a lake named after, it'd be Lake Placid. I mean, it's exactly. Just, yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't who she really was. <laughs> well, yes in a and sense. no. You know, okay. she wasn't fake. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, she came from a kind of a austere New England family. Um, and being able to meet them, I kind of understood a little bit more of her personality. I got you. Okay. Um, which, you know, I'm kind of loosey goosey. So I. I kind of like the casual air, and she was very much more of a a formal, um, retiring sort of person. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people thought that she was stiff, but she actually had a hilarious sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that she wasn't maybe necessarily hoity-toity, but she was – a lot of people didn't quite understand her. Yeah. Um, Which I just want to – if I can interrupt here just for a moment – you know, you said something that I, that I want to just just ask about here for a moment. You said something about her being this personality on the outward that people mm-hmm. saw, and mm-hmm. and you, you know, you see it in her family and her upbringing. And you then talk about yourself. How was it you mentioned you are more? What was I don't, <laughs> I don't get even that know wrong. Like did goose, I say Lucy Goosey? Lucy Goosey. <laughs> but you know, whether you're Lucy Goosey or you come across as having it all together. Mm-hmm. There is an inner person who is a true us. Yes. That for the most part, mm-hmm. those feelings and emotions run very deep, don't yes. they? Yes. And yes. not everybody ever gets to see that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the beauty of what I hear you talking about is you got to see that beauty of who she was as she reflected on her life, her feelings, yes. her decisions, mm-hmm. and what was going on in her life. Mm-hmm. You got to see some of that from a very different perspective. Yes, and her husband Lars, I, I call him Doc, which stands for dear old curmudgeon because that's very much what he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he tells a story of one time Elizabeth was at a conference and someone got really up close to her. She was sitting behind a book table and mm-hmm. he leaned in and said, tell me, who is the real Elizabeth Elliot?" <laughs> And without missing a beat, she looked up and said, may God preserve us from ever finding out. (laughs) Um, She was someone that she was, she came across as kind of stiff, but she was, she was hilarious. And um, one of the parts of her journal that I'll never forget reading was um, after Jim died and she was, she was actually living in the house that he had built for, for her. Um, And another missionary family was sharing it with them. Um, with she and her daughter, and um, it was just such a time of misery for her, seeing things that Jim had built for her being destroyed by this other missionary's family's children and and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. She was someone who loved order um, and organization, and this other family just wasn't quite there. And, and, mm-hmm. and so she would talk about the anguish of seeing this life that she and Jim were creating for themselves being lived by another family in this home, um, and then one journal entry was talking about how she woke up one night after having dreamed of being in Jim's arms and just waking up sobbing and realized that that he wasn't there and he wasn't holding her. And I remember when I read that wow. thinking, oh, man, see, I don't remember picking up on that from the calm, placid radio mm-hmm. announcer. Right. Um, I think she dwelt so much on the peace that God gave her and on mm-hmm. accepting 
accepting suffering. She was sort of like Christianity's suffering guru of the mm-hmm. 21st century. Right, right. Um, and she she dwelt so much on that that I think sometimes it's easy for people to forget that she lived through some pretty horrific things and felt all the emotions. That's, and I think that's important to realize that mm-hmm. even though she she found out how to, from a biblical perspective, work through and, and ultimately arrive at peace mm-hmm. and at place at a place of trust, yet you came to realize it wasn't without a battle. Right. It, and Because I think sometimes we think that, that you can ar- arrive at a place in Christianity yes. where you get into this autopilot mm-hmm. mode where, you know, you just... Things just roll off of you like Teflon. Yes. You, yeah. you know, you really, you know, you just, it doesn't really affect you mm-hmm. like it affects other people. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, all of us, I think, as Christians, Danny, I think you would agree, that they do affect us very deeply. Yes. The struggles, problems, yes. disappointments, heartaches in life. And just because it appears that somebody has it all together doesn't mean that they arrived at that place easily or yes. without a battle or a struggle. Mm-hmm. Would you not agree with that? I would agree with that. And actually something that she um, something that she said in in a interview that I recently heard and I actually wrote it down cuz I loved it. She was talking about her spiritual hero, Amy Carmichael, who she wrote a book oh, on. Oh yes, yes. Um, and this is what she said, she was not dishing out to others a word that she had not bought with her own suffering. Mm. And that's what she admired about Amy Carmichael and I think that's what people admire about Elizabeth Elliot mm-hmm. is that every word that she said, we respect it because she bought it with her own suffering. Yeah, yeah. She lived a life of suffering. I have said this before in the podcast, and I'm going to say it again, and I probably will say it several times, is one of the things I've learned in life is that for the Christian, your pain often becomes your pulpit. Mm, your suffering yes. becomes your sermon. Mm-hmm. And what you endure in life and, and the, the price you pay it becomes a springboard for you, those experiences, both good and bad, mm-hmm. for you to be able to help other people to endure, persevere, and overcome some of the great heartaches and tragedies yes. in life. Mm-hmm. I think even as we look at the Bible, I think so many of the great heroes of the faith, I mean, they had some incredibly challenging times mm-hmm. and chapters in their lives. And I guess, you know, chapters that maybe even we would like to tear out or... Yep. You know, mm-hmm. our chapters we wish, oh, I wish, like Peter denying the Lord, just wish that what chapter wasn't there. But yes. it is. It's part of mm-hmm. who they were, and yet they overcame that. And, yes. And so that really that really impacted you, reading her journals and hearing people talk about yes. her life. Well, I have to correct you in the spirit of Elizabeth. Okay. Um, people would write to her and say that she had impacted them. Mm-hmm. And um, her husband Lars told me that she would always laugh so hard and and say, I wonder if I should send them an enema because (laughs) to to hear that I've impacted so many people, she was very passionate about proper English. Mm -hmm. And she would say, I hope I've had an impact on them, but I certainly hope I haven't impacted them. Oh, that's funny. So So she she had an impact on you. There we go. She had an impact upon me, yes. There we go. Let's get that in the spirit of Elizabeth Elgin. She'd be horrified to know that she had impacted us. Um, And again, that just shows the human element (laughs) of who she was. Yes, it does. That she would say things like that, Uh you know? And that she was a very real Mm -hmm. person with a real sense of humor. Yes, yes. And so... She was. 
So you read those journals, you talked to friends, you saw a side of her that maybe a lot of people don't see. Mm -hmm. How has that affected you moving on even now in life? You know, I think in, in preparation for this podcast, I was thinking again over what did I come away with from that mm-hmm. time? Um, and sort of going back to the suffering, like you said, I mean, I, I think it, you're hard-pressed to find a hero in the Bible that didn't go through some mm-hmm. kind of either solitary, you know, in the desert moments mm-hmm. or suffering mm-hmm. of some kind, mm-hmm. um, because God does. He puts his children through the fire, mm-hmm. and Scripture's so clear about that. Um, and Elizabeth, I was living through these moments with her which I think most people would call their greatest nightmare, Mm -hmm. you know, to have to be assisted in the bathroom and not to be able to get your own clothes on and Mm -hmm. to um, eventually not be able to walk by yourself and to not be able to talk, you know, to to come out with baby babbling, basically. Mm -hmm. This woman who her words are are like canonized almost, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden she can't even put a sentence together. Um, And being able to hear a little bit behind the scenes from some of her friends and her family of when she first found out that she had this degenerative condition and just the shock of realizing this isn't going to get better and this is how my life is going to end. And someone who did find it important to have a persona that was smooth Mm -hmm. and put together, um, realizing I'm not going to be able to keep it together forever. Um, And just to be able to see even that she accepted that, mm-hmm. um, not without struggle, right? because right. it was a huge struggle to realize that she had this diagnosis and that she mm-hmm. wasn't going to be able to die with you know cognitive thoughts in her mind and wisdom on her lips. Um, but she eventually was able to accept that even. Mm-hmm. And here there's me, this impressionable, young 20s girl being able to live with her and glean from her life and see that even in these dark shady death the valley of death mm-hmm. days for Elizabeth God was using her um and people um Lars's main occupation mm-hmm. is just answering letters still mm-hmm. um by the hundreds they come every year just letters asking for advice um thanking her for things that she said that have changed lives and and marriages and families mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. so just having that impact upon my life as i cared for her um and realizing right. as scripture says even to old age he will carry us yeah. um and so I think her legacy to me is one of just complete faithfulness where God had her. Um, She lived a lot of suffering. And her book, These Strange Ashes, talks a lot about that. Just the fact that so often you pour your life into something and it seems like all you're getting back is ashes. Mm -hmm. And um, she lived a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And yet because she was faithfulness, gold came from those ashes, you know, refined gold. Yes. And, And it's true. She still impacts people today. Through her books and through things that are out there on the web that people yes. can listen to, mm-hmm. there are still so many lines. And your life, mm-hmm. even though, again, the condition she was, it did something. It mm-hmm. made an impact on your life. Yes. So. I, I, this morning, um, I was having 
quite the morning with my toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> and what are their ages again? <laughs> Grace is four and Stephen mm. is two. Oh, I see some of the things you post on Facebook oh, and goodness, your yes. life is exciting and interesting <laughs> and you never know what's going to happen, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. And I only have two of them, but I, they keep me hopping. And as I was, I was trying to find some moments to read back through some of the things I had written when I was with Elizabeth. And I found this, um, this excerpt I had recorded from her journal in 1958. So this was two years after Jim died. Um, and she was reading, she and Valerie, Valerie were alone with the Quechua Indians in the jungle. Um, and these are the parts of the journal that spoke to me when I read them as a young single woman and then reading them again today as a exhausted, struggling young mom, mm-hmm. they, they so struck me and, and brought the tears. And um, So here's what she said as she was uh, working with the Kichu Indians. Today I suddenly thought, what a hag I must look. <laughs> I would not think of going this way where there a single soul who'd notice it. But there's not. Days go by now without my hearing one word of English except Valerie's. That's her two-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. And what has all this taught me? The things which are not seen are eternal. I thought I knew this and practiced on it before, but I have been stripped of even more lately. Things others would never recognize. God knows. And he says to me, lovest thou me more than these? And I answer, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Thou knowest no other motive could suffice. Valerie has amoeba, hookworm, and another parasite I never heard of. Poor little girl, and lonely already, wanting other kids to play with. Things are dirty, moldy, messy, and I long for neatness, cleanliness, nice clothes, nice things for Val. And in short, I wonder if I can keep on living like this. Well, I need not wonder. My father knows whether I can, and he's in charge. It is a further trial not to be able to communicate with these people, to realize vaguely that they are put out with me for some reason I don't understand, to want to help them keep occupied and to be rebuffed, to feed them things I think they'll enjoy and have them explode with blech and spit it on the floor. (laughs) How's that for a young mom? (laughs) Yeah, right. Lord, you'll have to love them for me and through me. I'm here because I believe thou hast put me here. I didn't seek it. So let thy whole purpose be fulfilled. I want to say again that I love, trust, praise, forgive myself pity and unbelief. That is so powerful. Oh my goodness! And that was those wow. were things she was writing in her personal diary. She mm-hmm. she wasn't writing them for other people to see. That was a life mm-hmm. lived in faithfulness. Yeah. And so she didn't have to be some perfect person that we sometimes put these Christian heroes up on a pedestal to be. She was simply surrendered, and mm-hmm. that's why God was able to use her. Yeah. And it's as important for me as a young mom working in obscurity, changing poopy diapers mm-hmm. and washing dishes and. Um, and trying not to unravel with my little toddlers to live in faithfulness and obscurity as it was for Elizabeth. Yes. And you mentioned earlier, as we were talking about today's podcast, you mentioned something that really struck a chord. You talked about the mundane, Mm -hmm. how much of the Christian life is lived in that mundane. It's not in those moments of Mm -hmm. splendor and grandeur, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's that mundane and being faithful to God. Yes. And in that mundane, Mm -hmm. obscure place where no one sees but you and God. Yes. Um, And how how 
how much easier I think sometimes it is to be faithful when you know you're being watched Mm -hmm. or when you're being put through some huge test that you think, oh, I'll be able to write a blog post about this, you know? (laughs) Um, But it's in the mundane that God is able to really get down to the nitty gritty of who we are, what our motives are for doing what we're doing. Are they to glorify him, Mm -hmm. um, to know him better? I mean, man's cheat chief purpose to glorify God and, and enjoy him forever. That's right. So if that is the purpose of everything we're doing, it really doesn't matter if we're changing a poopy diaper as a young mom or, you know, mopping mm-hmm. a floor somewhere, or if we're uh, writing out uh, an unreached people group's language for the first time and translating, translating the Bible. Right. Um, and that's something that did not come easily for me to learn mm-hmm. because, right. you know, Elizabeth Elliot was my hero. I wanted to do big, amazing things just like she did. Um, and then to go and and see some of the things that she lived and realize, oh, it, it was a lot of obscurity and it was faithfulness and obscurity. So am I willing to be faithful in obscurity? That's right. You know? And God help all of us. It's very convicting <laughs> what you're saying here. Very challenging mm-hmm. that God help all of us to be faithful to him in those unseen moments of obscurity mm-hmm. when no one else's eyes are looking Yes. But his eyes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, her life was that way. And that's probably one of the reasons why she was able to do what she did mm-hmm. is because there was such a depth in that inner life that she had with God. Yes. Uh, Danny, there's a lot of young ladies that listen to this podcast, a, a lot of people in their 20s. Uh, biggest crowd I, I, on this podcast so far that are listening are in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And a lot of young ladies are listening. Is, is there anything you would like to say before we wrap things up here? Is there anything you would like to say from your heart to these to these young ladies mm-hmm. based on this experience and what you've learned or even as a young mom now? Is there, is there something you would really like to say or share? Hmm. Well, I think um, I, I had the teaser that you were going to ask me that question, yeah. so I've been thinking <laughs> about it. And I'm going to go ahead and cheat and give <clears throat> Two quotes. Okay. All right. <laughs> in my final, in my final exhortations, um, one is by Elizabeth herself, and the other is by Jim. Um, Elizabeth said, "The secret is Christ in me, not me in another set of circumstances." That's powerful. It's so yes. powerful, mm-hmm. and um, I needed to hear it again today, mm-hmm. because so often I think, "Oh, if this were different, or if that were different, I could have hope. If this were different, I would be able to actually find joy again." And the fact of the matter is we have all we need in Christ himself. Yeah, that's right. And that's so right. if we press into him in his presence, his fullness of joy, and that doesn't necessarily mean he's our happy pill and he makes depression go away and he makes everything just fine and dandy again. Mm-hmm. But if we press into Christ, he will give us the desires of our heart. And yes. that desire becomes him. Yes. <laughs> um, and then also Jim Elliott's famous quote that I have so been challenged and wanted to live my life by is wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt Mm -hmm. every situation you believe to be the will of God. Wow. And I believe that's the secret of joy. That is the gateway to joy. Yes. Is is living to the hilt the life God has given us, whether or not it's the life we dreamed of or wanted, whether or not everything's going great. um, Yes. He's placed us here. He's allowed the situations and the circumstances to happen, and all he asks for is faithfulness in them. That's great. Uh, And thank you, 
for sharing that. I, those, I'll, I'll let you get by with those two quotes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> they were great. And I can't think of a better way to end the podcast mm-hmm. than you sharing those quotes and that admonition because so many times we look over the fence or we look at somebody else's life or we think, if only this were different, I could find to discover hope and joy. Mm-hmm. But right now in the moment where I'm at, where God has placed me, he is here and mm-hmm. that's all I need. And if I can learn to find my joy in Him, then this circumstance right now is where it's His will. Mm -hmm. I'm right now where He wants me, and I find contentment and joy in that. That's great. Danny, it's been a joy to have you here on the podcast, and maybe we'll get you back one of these days. Um, Just a real joy. And again, thank you for taking the time to share this insight. And if anybody listening today knows somebody out there that this podcast would really be an encouragement to them. Why don't you share the podcast link with somebody? Let them know about hope along the journey and and about the message that we're trying to get out to people, that there's hope in Christ, in spite of whatever circumstances may be in your life, that if you look to Jesus, you can find hope along the journey. Thank you for listening today, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more hope along the journey.